We live? We live. All right. Too Welcome live. one and all to the Games and App Podcast, the show where we share our opinions on all things gaming with you, our wonderful audience. Our, our hope here is to create a positive community where gamers, both casual and hardcore alike, can share their own thoughts, opinions, and experiences. I'm Andrew Fiak. And I'm Brandon Carnian. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, hey intro, uh, Andrew. Hey, Brandon, you got a lot of stuff to get through here. We do. We do. I'm looking at our notes here, and there's uh, it's a good bit of stuff. Lots of stuff. Uh, surprisingly, uh, not a majority, but a good portion of it is some of our own news. Mm-hmm. Brandon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why don't you fill the lovely community in on what we got cooking here? So, we are now hosted officially uh, via Reggie's House Podcasts, which you can visit them at reggieshousepodcasts.com, where you can find our show as well as uh, two other excellent podcasts, the Rust Belt Risters, which is a hockey podcast centered around the Pittsburgh Penguins, as well as Greedo Shot First, a Star Wars podcast, which is, and I quote, a show all about Star Wars and anything freaking related to Star Wars, to quote <laughs> one of its hosts, Connor Arlette. Um, many thanks to uh, Andrew for getting us set up so that we're able to now be on iTunes, which is where you can subscribe to us uh, via your podcast app or any other podcast app of your choice. They all kind of feed through that same RSS feed. So we are live on there. So now you have numerous ways in which you can listen to us. You can watch us live here every Tuesday around 9. You can listen to us on your phone while you're at work, in the car, or out on a run. And then you don't have to eat up your data by watching the streaming videos. So a bunch of different ways you can get at us now. So pick your favorite and stick with us. Yes, I love it. I love that we can be in your ear holes and on your eyeball. And uh, if you're nice enough... Uh, maybe you'll even be able to see us in person or maybe you already know us in person because pretty much only our friends listen to this for the time being. So hopefully, being. hopefully this uh, helps us reach a bigger, wider community and audience and we can actually create that positive community we always tout about in the intro to the show. Yes, we're happy to have you, whether you're a first-time listener or if you've been with us since the rocky start. Yes, if you're a first-time listener, I will catch you up to speed. Brandon and I have been best friends since as long as we can remember, and we love video games, and neither of us have a job in the industry. We just love playing games, and we love talking about them, and we just want to keep following that age-old pursuit of what makes games great and why. Yeah. Yeah. A couple other items uh, of games in that uh, variety. Uh, A couple things. One... Uh, Brandon and I were chatting earlier, mm-hmm. as we and often do. We th- as we often do, and we think it'd be a great idea if uh, we always try to push the envelope of how can we include the community more within our podcast. Because at the end of the day, not everybody wants to listen to just the two of us talk about games. We yeah. really, truly do want to know what you think and feel. What have you experienced? What are you currently playing? Yeah. Do you What's agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Yeah. What's your feedback? What do you think? 
And I think one thing we've wanted to do other than getting some guests on the show is uh, doing what we're calling the listener review initiative. So what this is, is if you are a listener of the show and maybe you're playing something and you want to be featured on the show, whether it be audio, video or just a written email, um, if it is recorded, try to keep it under two minutes. But we just want to hear about what you're playing, why it's great, why it's bad, why you like it, why you don't like it. Um, foster some discussion on here. And if um, it's something that we feel the need to chat about even more, maybe we'll even invite you on the show. But I think it's a way for us to kind of uh, involve the community, get other people's voices out there um, and see, you know, actually create that community we keep talking about, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. You can, as always, you can uh, chime in on the uh, comments, even if you're watching the uh, the stream after it's been posted live. Um your comments will still show up timestamps, so they're going to be relevant to whatever portion of the stream you're currently watching. So it's not like you're just like commenting into the ether. Um, and that we also get notifications whenever anybody comments, whether that's, um, you know, day of or, you know, a week later, we'll still see that people are, you know, talking about whatever we've discussed. So rest assured, um, we will see it. And uh, we can, you know, if you leave some thoughts in the comments, we can always get back to you uh, in the next episode after you post. Yes, and Brandon and I do read all the comments. We read all the posts that happened on our Facebook page. Uh, so if you, even if you know us personally and you just want to text it to us, uh, feel free to do that too. Yep, but absolutely. Anything we can do to include more people uh, is always going to be a good thing for us. Yeah, more, more viewpoints, the better. Correct. Correct. Uh, one other item of business. Uh, for anybody out there listening, Brandon and I were looking at ways of kind of um, upping the listener value of the show because we've been doing this on Facebook live uh, for a while now. We're on episode 16, I believe 16 or 17, 16, 16, 16, 16. Um, and now that we have uh, outreach to a, a podcast community of just audio listeners, we wanted to see what we could do. We've been trying to kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, compress our thoughts a little bit better into segments of the show where yeah. when we're actually have viable discussions, it's kind of a, what are you playing? What you playing? Uh, when we have just a random assortment of things we want to get out there, but we don't really have enough to discuss opinions on them or, you know, it's just kind of a initial impression. We got a random roundup segment. When we have a guest, we have a guest segment. When we want to do spoiler cast, we do spoiler cast. So what we'd like to do for you guys, if anybody's out there, musician or just music is a hobby to you, um, we're looking Maybe for some Maybe you're a really music. good Foley artist and you want to give us some crazy sound effects. <laughs> that too. I mean, I am, I'm, I'm not asking you to make anything in particular or anything specific. I just want to see what can come about mm -hmm. and I would... We're really looking for some segue music, uh, anywhere from six to 10 seconds, preferably just something that's just a quick little intro into the segment. Um, I, I know a lot of other podcasts do them, but I think it would just be nice to kind of break up the audio banter between Brandon and I. So it's not just us droning on and on and going on these tangents that we go on um, and that's, try to break it up a little anat. bit. That's the anat. yeah, that's the Annette. That's the Annette. But give you a little bit of music medley, uh, a little bit of a break here every now and then. Um, so if anybody out there is interested, you can reach us all the same ways that you can if you wanted to do a listener review. Again, that's email, uh, you know, uh, video, audio. You can leave a message on our Facebook. You can reach out to us personally if you know us. Um, you can leave a comment on iTunes, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. actually, the, uh, the email address is thegnapodcast at gmail.com. 
And you can right. find that on our Facebook page as well. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. I think that's all business out of the way. Is there anything else we wanted to talk about, Brandon? No, I think that's uh, I think that's it. All right. So Brandon and I have a couple things that we've been getting into. Uh, specifically, we've been playing a little bit of the Division 2 mm-hmm. open beta. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played some of that together. Um, and then I got to hop in today to some of the new Season of the Drifter content in Destiny 2. Uh, so Brandon... What are you thinking about that Division 2 open beta? Oh, that Division 2 open beta is oh so good. Um, <laughs> if this is probably the, one of the first and maybe even only like betas, and I use that term loosely because nowadays a beta is basically just a, a different name for a demo. Yeah. Um, this is like the first beta in that I can remember, we'll put it that way, um, that it's actually been more of a beta where, you know, suggestions from the community bugs that have been reported and all this sort of stuff have been incorporated into the actual game on a, a very timely basis. So, mm-hmm. um, if you listen to us, what was that? Two, two, three weeks ago, something like that. Yeah. It was at the right around the end of February. Yeah. Um, we had kind of shared our thoughts on the private beta, which we both, uh, were in on for the division two. Mm-hmm. I think Andrew pre-ordered and I just happened to get lucky. Um, but we played through that and just between those two, I think it actually was the, so this weekend um, to set up our time here, this past weekend was the open beta where anybody, regardless of if you pre-ordered or, or signed up for it, you had access to uh, play the, the beta content the week before that they had a, a technical test for PC users and they were just like basically randomly doled out. Um, to test feedback that they had implemented based on the private beta, which was a week or two before that. Um, So between the private beta and the technical test, the list of things that they changed, like balance-wise, technical things that had been changed as far as, like, you know, reducing frame rate stutter, just making things run a little more smoothly across all platforms. It was a pretty significant list. Uh, you know, in the neighborhood of what you would normally see for like day one patches and things like that. And that was just a week after the fact, which was awesome to see. Um, so coming into the open beta, they had a second set of patch notes where they further updated it. So we're talking things again, like balancing, um, to drop rates of things, enemy health. People said some, some, uh, enemies had too much armor. So they kind of tweaked those values. Um, they changed some, some stats on some of the weapons based on feedback. Um, they dialed in the attachments a little bit better. I think people, from from what I've read and, and what I've played, it seems like uh, still could do with a little more tweaking. Um, <clears throat> that's just the nature of these games as, you know, as they go on. Uh, yep. People kind of dial in as far as what they like, what they don't like. Um, but suffice to say that the patch notes between just that technical test uh, two weeks ago and this past week with the uh, open beta... Uh, they are cranking out the updates like crazy, like combined from just the, the updates from the private beta to the open beta is, you know, it's the type of changes in the game that you would expect to see, like maybe like a month after launch. And we're just talking, you know, half of that. And it, mm-hmm. it was intermittent too, like a week after. Um, so change wise, um, <clears throat> you know, the balancing seemed pretty good. Um, I, I mean, I didn't, we, I don't think we played so, um, 
focused that we were kind of like looking for those specific things. Um, but just the general consensus from what I had been reading was that uh, a lot of those changes were very positive. Some things, like I said, still need tweaked. Um, what I did notice personally was, um, as far as the technical improvements went, that the um, our frame rates were, were a lot better than they had been uh, previously. I, I was seeing somewhere in the neighborhood of like about 10 to 20 FPS boost. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, frame rate was a lot more stable. Um, especially in the dark zone. So the dark zone in this game, um, it's a little bit different visually than it was in Division One because you're not like in this giant like walled-in part of the city. You're in a walled-in part of the city, but it's much more open. There's a lot more open areas, and the uh, like. The theme here is that there is um, a specific strain of contaminant from the uh, like I guess like an offshoot of the the green flu from the first one. It was released, so it's like kind of like has this like foggy, gassy sort of thing um, going on, and uh, so that's you know a lot of like particle effects and things like that in the air, a lot of like god rays shining through trees and things like that. Um, so all of that stuff, you know, is pretty hardware intensive. So when we played through like the intro Dark Zone mission, um, you know, two weeks ago, like I saw you know some dips in frame rate, but this time when I went in and played, um, my frame rates were a lot higher. So I was yep. really happy with that. <clears throat> so just in general, um, they seem like they really have it together. Um, I feel like they have learned from their own mistakes and they've learned a lot from the mistakes of other looter shooter games, um, namely Destiny 2, just being that Anthem is so new. Um, but I definitely think they're probably taking some notes as far as what people are really wanting out of Anthem that they aren't getting. And I'm sure that that's, that's going to be incorporated somewhere down the line here. Um, yeah, I think the most important of which, and it may seem insignificant because a lot of the changes that were made between the open and the private beta were somewhat small quality of life changes and, mm -hmm. um, gameplay improvements. But I think what's astounding here is how quickly it happened and how quick the turnaround was from community feedback to implementation in game and being tested right away. Yeah, by and large, the stuff that they uh, they had actually changed was, uh, I would say, probably seventy to eighty percent stuff that had specifically been asked for by the community. Yeah, and it was enough to feel different. It was enough yes. that when we got in there, you had to second guess that I. What did they change here? Something feels different. Right. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And I and I applaud them because because Bungie's engine for Destiny and Destiny 2 um, is not built in a way that they can easily implement changes like this when there's a lot of community feedback about things that needs to be changed, whether it's weapons need to be nerfed or buffed, enemies need to be nerfed or buffed, whatever it is, something needs to be taken out, something needs to be added in. It mm -hmm. takes months before that stuff is calibrated, tested, because changing one thing is like adding a grain of sand into the microchip. It throws off the entire system. Adding somewhere something in in uh, Destiny affects something to somewhere totally different, and they need to go through massive playtesting stuff. With this, I think Ubisoft has even come out and said that they're that they are uh, pretty proud of their engine enough to say that we can quickly turn things around, no problem. They've definitely shown that with just oh, with for these, sure. these open betas. Um, another thing, so with Division One, I, I know that they had a uh, like a community closed testing environment for it, and mm -hmm. I would be really surprised if they don't do it for this as well. Um, now that Destiny's out on PC, do you have Destiny Two on PC? I do. 
Mm-hmm. Do they have a test environment on there that people can get on? I, I don't know. I, I rarely touch it. I rarely play because all my friends okay. play on PlayStation. I, I was just curious because I know it's a lot easier for them to roll out updates on PC because they don't have to go through, you know, Sony or Microsoft to get those changes, you know, uploaded on their servers Makes and made sense. available and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Destiny could probably benefit from that. But I know that oh, they're... Sure their versions are kind of like all over the place. I feel like because so much, yeah. you know, just the, the lag time between when the PC release came out versus the consoles and then all the exclusive stuff that PS4 has versus Xbox there. It seems very kind of fragmented like that. And I can't imagine that that would make updating right. things any easier. Right. And I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any need to defend Bungie in any regard here. I'm not, I'm not trying to take that. I do love destiny too. Uh, yeah. All, with all my heart. It is, my favorite game that I've been playing for the last two, three, four, five years, including anything Destiny. that can keep you playing that long. Can't be that bad. It can't be. And, uh, I, I just want to say that I think a lot of these comparisons aren't moot. They're very valid comparisons. Cause a lot of it is still Bungie, but their company culture is shifting so much right now from getting away from Activision and becoming their own independent company and their yeah. own independent publisher. I'd be anxious to see how much changes, if anything at all, yeah. and how, they rewrite whatever that next chapter is. So I don't know how much of it was them. I mean, it, they're still responsible for it. At the end of the day, they have to take the heat that Activision brings with them and vice versa. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, it I don't know what they, what, what they, what, you know, what hand they've been dealt here, so to speak. But, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't be, happy enough that how how quickly all of this turned around i can't stress enough just how important that is yeah um in terms of division two and their their ability to change these things especially for for this type of game in general there's always Mm -hmm. so many new things being incorporated that you can't possibly plan for you know every outcome you can't figure out how every single player is gonna use things you know everybody's gonna go way off the beaten path and just kind of do things that were completely unanticipated so there's a lot of you know live stuff that has to happen with these type of games yeah and i know they plan a lot of their content rollout pretty well in advance but i'm wondering how much they can shift that or how much they can add on the fly with that as well because to see how that plays out for sure yeah because i know with destiny when they plan things out they have to plan it out get it ready for release and then they do a lot of time gating stuff so they'll have everything ready to go don't they have a separate team as well Mm-hmm. They have a live team that works with like the live sandbox, but then they have teams that are like, this is the PVE team. This is the sandbox team. This is the yeah. PVP team. This is the gambit team, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. But this one already uh, seems far beyond where Anthem was in terms of our impressions from the beta, mm-hmm. just in even just giving us a sliver of the end game, which is what we really focused on this time around because it's pretty much identical to what the private beta was. Yeah. They added a couple of things. Um, namely, um, they gave you access to a new skill. I think they also added, um, uh, an additional one or two story missions to the, not to the, what like, cause it gives you a, a regular character that you start off from one and then your 30 end game just to fool around in that one mission. But I think in the, your regular yeah. character slot, um, they give you, uh, at least one one mission, maybe two extra story missions, which I, I, I didn't go into them because I just, like you said, we kind of wanted to focus on um, the end game and like the PvP stuff and check that yeah. out while we had time. Because we didn't get a chance to do that the first time around. Nope. nope we strictly stuck to the, uh, the single player PvP yep. stuff. 
so what did you what did you think of the end game stuff that we tried out that one mission i thought it was great um so the mission they give you in order to unlock it you have to play through like the original version of it so it gives you a Mm -hmm. nice one-to-one comparison and we actually played the original back-to-back with the uh the end game version so the end game version of stuff in this game um i guess after some certain point towards the end of the storyline um this private military company black tusk which is an awesome name for a a nefarious it sounds very like south african yeah (laughs) maybe that's just me they're probably not south african at all but black tusk (laughs) sounds like south african like private militia yeah but so they they're like invading dc and guess like like trying to take advantage of the uh the situation because I, I assume at that point you've uh, kind of calmed the uh the issues that are being created by these different gangs and, and groups and whatnot and i guess with it being a little more tame they're they're seeking to come in and kind of undo the things that the, that the division has done so your main story missions they get uh they, they turn into the an invaded version Mm-hmm. As well as like the strongholds, which we have no real real idea what they are. I think they're supposed to be sort of like strike pluses or like maybe raid lights kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but so in these invaded versions, it's the same structure as far as like how you progress through the uh, actual story of that mission. But the enemies are completely different. So in that first mission, you're playing against uh, originally the a gang, a street gang called the hyenas, and they're they're just kind of like method thugs, basically is like the best way to describe yeah. it. They they make this drug that they take, and it kind of turns them into berserkers. Um, but they they don't fight very tactically. They just kind of rush at you after they're all like hopped up on their on their sauce, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, they do the whole like sideways gun kill shot type of thing. And, you know, yeah. they just very they grunty, right. They don't use a whole lot of cover. Um, but when you play through in the end game invaded version, uh, it's these black tusk PMC. So they will, instead of starting off in a room, oftentimes they will rope in from like skylights or in the case of the end of this mission, the helicopters. And so not only like just tonally, are they different? Their AI is completely different. Mm-hmm. So they will push you around when you're reloading. They will move up on you when they realize that you're reloading. They call, they, you hear them audibly call out to the other AI teammates that, you know, he's reloading or he's falling back. He's throwing a grenade, just like pretty realistic yeah. as far as like how they're communicating. And they will try to get your attention in one spot. So you focus over here and then, two guys will start coming around the right side and try to flank you, or two guys will come around from the left side and flank you, or they'll send guys around both sides and try to pincher you. Um, so it really forces you to play that exact same mission in a much different way. Yep. And to me, that was awesome because in destiny, like when you play through like hard mode on something, it's like, here, we'll throw some more enemies at you and they just, you know, do a little more damage and you have your burns and stuff. It just it just kind of increases the the difficulty and I get more of a you know damage input output type of way. Yeah. Whereas this, it's completely flipping the script. It's making you think about the game in a different way. Um, it makes you be very deliberate in how you use your skills, um, where you take cover, when you decide to move from cover to cover. Um, and I think it 
the the way that the end game missions are structured it really speaks to how they just they wanted to change this into or kind of morph this into their original vision which was a cover based shooter type game because if you're That's, not in cover you you get melted oh yeah you're completely vulnerable you have no other defenses now i know there's a skill that is like shield based mm-hmm. but other than that totally defenseless if you are out of cover and you are a big big moving target yeah um the way that you heal in this is also different so instead of like at your health bars you're like replenishing your actual like armor plates so like when you go to Mm -hmm. use like a health kit you're actually like pulling out a used armor plate and throwing a new one in your vest um so to that end there isn't any burst healing to your health um where like in des or not destiny jeez division one it would Mm -hmm. just be like everything health and then your armor it was like all back all at once this is only your armor so if you get down to the point where you have no armor and it starts draining from your health your health goes up very very slowly so if you run back out of armor like it's entirely conceivable that you could die you know very quickly um there are also apparently uh enemies that can like throw like lethal gas out that ignores your armor and it just directly attacks your health i found yeah so they kind of play with that a lot um when you go to use like the repair skills, like the repair drone or the repair roller mine, which is what I had on my end game class guy, um, it repairs you at a steady rate, but it does not do it very quickly. Like it's just enough to kind of, um, hold you where you're at if you're being shot at. And if you're in good cover, it's enough to kind of, you know, let you slowly recharge it, but it's not enough that you're just like, whoop, yep. Back in the fight, like instantly it kind of, it's a little more time gated in that way. Um, like overall my thoughts on these missions, um, they, they're really enjoyable. Um, none of it felt like it was just hard for the sake of being hard. Like it was very fair in how it upped the difficulty and made you change your play style. Um, if you screwed up and like got down, like it was because you did something stupid. It wasn't because of the mechanics of the game or anything like that, or you know, just too many enemies in one room. Like I never felt like we were totally overwhelmed, but I definitely felt like we had to think on our toes a lot more and kind of break out from like the normal, just like jump out of cover and shoot, jump out of cover and shoot kind of thing. Like we had to move around, use our skills in conjunction with one another, and you know, communicate yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head because when I realized when. I knew that this was going to be a great endgame mode. Something that I was very much looking forward to was when we stopped kind of just hanging out and talking about general stuff that had nothing to do with the game and completely switched over to tactic conversation. Of we did that Brandon thing move where, here. Where, where we did we, that thing where we played like they do and spoke <laughs> like they do at like E3s and demos. I, we I absolutely 100% when we were did playing that. that. I definitely thought that in my head like, oh, we were literally making fun of how they did this in the trailer, and we're here. We are again with the division doing exactly what they said we were going to do in the trailer. Yep, and, and you, you, it's, it's awesome for that. Yeah, and you said it perfectly. When they start doing it, we started doing it. So when mm-hmm. they started saying he's reloading, he's moving to cover, he's doing this, I'm like, like I'm calling out medics to you. I'm saying I'm down on health. You're throwing drones out to me. I'm like throw deploying this skill. I was like, people, there's like tangos in the lobby. I'm like all this stuff that just naturally comes to you, but you don't even think about in your yep. daily life. But then like, all of a sudden like you're in like, combat. Boom. Yeah, it's just you automatically turn into like a Navy SEAL. It was incredible. 
the the but the difficulty wasn't so difficult that you and I were just dying unnecessarily or we were just being mowed over and we were like this is impossible we need another person or the two of us were able to get through it no problem I would venture to guess that if we added another person in there, maybe the normalization of the stats would have pushed it to a point where it may have been more difficult because there's now three people. So maybe enemies take more hits. I'm not sure if that works that way or not in division. I hope it does. I mean, because everything that is, that is normalized and scaled in this game, as far as like PVP dark zone and all that stuff, it feels really good. Mm -hmm. So it can do the same thing with the PVE stuff. Like, I mean, it, it, it's all there. I think it's entirely possible. It's all there, and they are not afraid to show it to you. Like I said in our previous podcast, you can view all the normalized stats of your weapons and armor yep. and yeah, skills at any, time. at any time. And even per, and that's per activity. So when people join you, when you go into PvP, when you go into skirmishes, when you go into the dark zone, it'll always change yep. based on the landscape and the layout and the other uh, players that are near you and the enemies that you're facing. Yep. Um, I don't have anything too much to add about the actual endgame mission. I thought it was fun. I always have the most fun in endgame activities where I stop for a second thinking that I'm the superhero and instead feel like an equal. Yes. Destiny never does that. Destiny always makes me feel like the hero because I am the guardian. I'm the bearer of light. I'm the person who is going to save the day and be renowned for it for an eternity and become legend. Yeah. Whereas in the division, I felt that same way where I'm rolling, I'm roaming the streets and I'm not just some normal patrol. I'm a division agent. That is like a green beret walking the streets of gangs in New York. Yeah. And that strikes fear in everybody. But now that you're going against a tactical group of individuals who are equals to you, where they are deploying their own skills, they're deploying exploding drones. They're, de- they're deploying these giant futuristic robot <laughs> machine gun dogs. That was, that was one of the highlights of our playthrough <laughs> is whenever that <laughs> robot dog walked out, we both stopped and we said, what is that a walking four legged robot? And then Whenever the uh, the uh, EOD robot came out, and we're like, oh, it's the evil Johnny Five coming out. Yeah. Excellent moments. Yes. And even more praise to them. It's intuitive to think that when I shot it, when I shot that that yeah, the EOD robot in the uh, in in the in the wheels and the tracks, yeah. it stopped moving. It was a critical hit and it could, it could no longer move because I took out the movement mechanism in it. Yep. Just the fact that that's a thing and it's not just some other bullet sponge enemy with armor on it that you can't even tell if you're hitting it or am I doing damage, I'm not doing damage, how much damage am I doing? It, like it, it's moments like that. And division constantly rewards you with that where you're ta- from the low level grunts with messenger bags of grenades and mm-hmm. uh, smoke bombs to these high level guys with like night vision goggles on and you shoot them in the face. They can no longer see. They have to take the night vision goggles off. Like that yeah. stuff is so well done. And the more you challenge me and make me feel like maybe I'm not that special, but I feel special when I complete it and I get through it, especially when I have to stop, think, coordinate with a friend a teammate or a whole fire team of people it really changes the dynamic of the game granted they kitted us out to no end we had yeah very true some of if not the best weapons in the game with all modded out all of our armor was modded out we had all these buffs and all were playing into the specific class that you picked so i can't say 
it's always going to feel that easy, but it, it might be it, this leads into our next discussion, which is the the PvP stuff that we played because I th I was hoping that there would be more of a gear balance based mm -hmm. on these things. But when we got so we've also played some of the PvP skirmish. Yes. Which was there's two modes that we know of. There's skirmish, which is regular 4v4. You have a stock of 16 um people that can be respawned after death but once you go through that stock of 16 that's it the the team who does that first wins yeah um and then there's also a, do a, a domination mode that i think is like king of the hill or like a capture the flag type thing or maybe like a steal this thing set it up on your side type thing yeah I'm not sure i can't remember exactly what it is but i know it's it's something more like objective oriented right um what I liked about the PvP skirmish is there was this large emphasis on using your class abilities and staying in cover, which is the gameplay. That's the mm -hmm. division. You don't run around, run and gun, jump around, fly around, and, and be a superhero. You're literally going cover to cover, tactically talking to your teammates, coordinating your stuff so that people aren't throwing out heals when you don't need heals. You're not throwing out you know, seeking grenades against low level enemies that don't need it. People who are hanging back are the people who are doing single shot high damage while the people who are rushing are either shotguns or SMGs. Um, it really emphasizes that, especially in the PVP skirmish stuff. Uh, what in the, to what you said before, when you, if you're just going to run out in the open in the PVE stuff, you're just going to get lit up by all the enemies. I think, yeah, you and I, I, I know I specifically went down one or two times when we were doing the PVE stuff just because I was standing at a cover and I wasn't somewhere tactically covering myself. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is just, you know, your carryover from what you're used to from the first game. And I think just yeah. as we spend more time with it, you know, it'll we'll, we'll kind of get into the groove of staying in cover. Because in the Division One, I, I mean, you could just run up to people and... Just oh, yeah, for sure. It's a viable thing to do. Yeah, and I know that this was a beta... But when we were playing through the PvP skirmish stuff, that very first match we went into, we played against a group of guys. Everybody's roughly the same level because there was a cap of level eight, I think, or level seven. Yeah, there was a level eight cap when we played. There's seven in close, and there was they bumped it up to eight yeah. in private. We played against a group of four guys or, or four other teammates, and maybe not were specifically men, but <laughs> um, they absolutely smoked us. Yeah. Absolutely smoked us. And we weren't not in cover we weren't not using our skills we we would just poke our heads out and within one or two shots immediately be down yeah. and these guys weren't like tactically flanking us they weren't deploying they, their own the skills. only thing that they had like really going for them is that they were like up on a rooftop it was the height advantage yeah for I sure think that, i think that was most of it that and it, it was also our very first game of pvp right so, I <laughs> so think we had that working against us yeah. um but that being said, like it was so much worse feeling than every other game we played after that one. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I at first was like thinking that these guys are just kitted out because look, inspecting their players. So when you die, you can inspect the person that killed you. Mm -hmm. What what I really like that the division does is it'll tell you exactly who shot you, 
how much damage they did and who were the biggest contributors and least amount of contributors. Yeah, to they break you. it down with, with little bar graphs, which is excellent. Yeah, and numbers. They give you hard, hard stats data. tell you yep. this person did the most damage to you with this weapon. And then these two people helped with some, sh- you know, some side fire. Yep. I love that. I love that. Give The more data you can give me, not only the more confident do I feel you are in your product, but the more confident I am in now learning and building my character and right. knowing what to prepare for. Yep. Um, I thought at first that these guys were kitted out because they had all these purple weapons, all of which had additional skill sets on them and had additional perks to them that we didn't have because we were rolling with greens and maybe one blue, another two blues. Um, it's very similar to Destiny. You have your green, your blue, your purple, your yellow tiers. And then I I think it's different from Division 1 because they had like red tiers, which were like exotics. But for the most part, it was pretty much the same. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There were like common items and stuff and then uncommon, rare. Um, And I thought, man, we're just getting smoked by these people because they're just totally kitted out. But you realize it was the map we were playing on. There was a building in the middle between the two areas. There were So the the height advantage was so uh, significant that we couldn't even take back the building at one point. Now, granted, it was our first game. We didn't really know what we were doing, but we felt totally defenseless at that point. We couldn't yeah, even they, get... They kind of had us pinned in our... Yeah, we uh, couldn't even get out of our Pretty spawn. close to it. And I think most yeah. of them were using something that was like fairly long range that would like, you know, one right. or two hits was enough to really make you sting. Yeah. But then the next map that we played was much more of a ground combat based map. Mm. There was no height advantage you could get, but it was a very heavy, dense, foresty type area. So there was a lot of greenery. There was a lot of overgrowth. Um, it almost looked like a, like an overgrown park type yeah. thing where there was like a central area and there were side areas. Mm-hmm. And we really dialed into it at that point. Granted, yeah. I don't think we won a single game. But we got really darn close to winning. And they were we got all very super competitive. close, which I think speaks to how, like, when the normalization is good, it is really on point. Yes, because uh, the only time I was killing people was in cover. Rarely, if ever, if I was out of cover, was I killing people because it, it just feels like, especially when you're moving, because you're not landing your shots and you don't have it's that reticle that we were talking about before where you have your bigger reticle versus your smaller reticle your area of hit Mm -hmm. is significantly decreases when you're moving and it's very very evident in pvp when that happens yeah yeah but i really enjoyed the ground combat and especially when we started to play it like we were the end game stuff then it became a totally different thing because it was no longer just go in there shoot the people and be done with it Mm -hmm. it was really coordinating your class abilities sticking with your teammates how are you how is one person going to flank the other teammate and you we started to coordinate we started to talk about it and it became very apparent that you can't just rambo it it's a very team-based 4v4 very serious stay in cover but keep moving uh game mode and i really really locked into it and i really enjoyed it it's going to be a blast when you have a full four man of you know people that you know or, or work well with when you can coordinate your your builds and your skills and your, your loadouts and everything so that they kind of play off each other a little bit better mm-hmm. um i i really enjoyed it i could definitely see us sinking a good bit of time into this more more so than i anticipated i would like it because i didn't touch any of the the pvp stuff in division one outside of just like you know running around in, in the dark zone 
Yeah. I'm just, uh, my only fear is that I know we were rewarded with like the, the cache, the caches Con- that they conflict give you. Caches, yeah. Conflict caches that they you give get, you. You get at least drop. one, one per game, at least. You get, at least, I mean, there was one game where I got three of them. Yeah, I, I was getting like two on average, but I think you're yeah. guaranteed at least one just for like finishing the match out. And I think mm-hmm. you get more as you do like different achievements or, or trophies yeah. or whatever they're calling them. I just am curious to see what their incentive is going to be to play the PvP stuff because they already have the PvE, they have the PvEVP, which is Dark Zone, mm-hmm. and now they've got this PvP thing that was originally DLC for the first division. Yeah. Now it's being incorporated as a full game mode, so I'm curious to see how are you going to get me to play this? Is there going to be some pinnacle weapon that I can get for, that I can go for that's only in Yeah, PvE? it's on separate loot table or something. It might, right. might be it might be the the uh, the drop rates of, of certain higher level stuff might be better in the uh, conflict mm-hmm. caches. Um, that's I mean that's I feel like that's the obvious way to do it, but yeah. you, you never know. Right, like only like the thing that division does that I love are the, the armor set bonuses. Of mm. uh, you get this brand of armor and it gives you these specific bonuses. Maybe they have armor bonus armor sets that are just locked behind the PvP stuff. And yeah. I hope that those ones aren't specific to PvP. Like they specifically help you in, you know, division agent division agent combat. But yeah. um, kind of like. Destiny does that a lot. The, th- the the activity that you're playing rewards you for the activity that you're in, and but the things that you get are only useful in that mode. You can't take something from a PvP and have it be a viable solution in a in an end game PVE scenario. Right. Yeah, the bonuses yeah. definitely are, are tailored to you know where you got it from, right? Which I guess is to encourage but, you to play that mode more. Yeah. But much like you were saying, I was very interested in it. I will definitely hop back into it when I need a pal. Yeah, um, yeah. If there's more incentive to get in there and play it and maybe unlock like craft mods and stuff and crafting materials or whatever it is, I'm, I'm totally in for it. I, I really enjoyed it. For sure. Um, you also had some time in the dark zone. Yeah, I did the because uh, when we had left off with the uh, end game stuff, the, the very next thing that you do after you do the end game or after the mission that unlocks the end game, I should say is they run you through like a little about a half hour kind of like tutorial single player mission where you go into the dark zone, but there aren't any other players in the dark zone just kind of walks you through the ropes. You like build the map, so to speak. And then uh, once you do that and you kind of set it up, then you can go in and do the dark zone as you normally would. So I did that little half hour tutorial. And then from then on, I was just like, I'm going to stay in the dark zone see what it's all about um at the core it pretty much operates the same way that the dark zone always has where you have um higher level enemies more challenging enemies and they kind of centralize themselves around different landmarks in the area and you go in clear out the enemies in the landmark Mm. they will typically drop their own stuff that's pretty good and then there's some sort of like a, a chest or something you can open that has uh some some good rewards in there um, when you get some of these things now, the biggest difference that I noticed like straight off the bat, and this was even when we ran through the dark zone the very first time mm-hmm. is that not everything you pick up is actually contaminated. So it's possible to run through, get some stuff that's you know pretty decent still and, uh, immediately equip it. Your really good stuff, just like in division one is going to require you to take it to, um, 
in this particular dark zone, there was two landing zones where you go, you shoot up a flare. It notifies everybody that's in that dark zone that there's a helicopter coming. And then you basically have to hunker down, wait for the helicopter to lower the rope, put your stuff on the rope. And then it can play out in a number of different ways. People can cut the rope and everybody's stuff falls off. And it's just fair game for whoever to come up and scoop it up. Um, You can go rogue and kill somebody before the helicopter gets there and take their stuff. Or you could work together and fight off um, enemies because typically that's what will happen um, at a certain point in that timer. Um, Depending on when the landing zone has been cleared out, enemies will respawn you have to fight them off so you can help people out defend them from ai enemies defend them from player uh enemies that have gone rogue but the idea is you want to get your stuff on the hook um and leave it on the hook so that the helicopter can then drop it off in your stash and after it's been decontaminated and that's typically your your better items that are going to be you know a good bit more powerful than uh you know the stuff that you're going to just get out of the uh light zone i guess is what they Mm -hmm. they call the the normal areas so can you can you remind me in this area specifically this was one of those areas where you can be pacifist if you wanted to you have to actively uh call out that you're going rogue yep there is a dedicated button for going rogue now so before it would be so like your health was segmented into three bars and if you Mm -hmm. did more than a third of damage to someone it would the game would automatically flag you as a rogue um so the big downside to that was what people would do is they would while you were shooting they would run into your line of fire to get you to damage them to make you go rogue and then they would kill you and then you know get the bonus and Mm -hmm. take your stuff so in this to combat that there is a button that you can press that will make you devour the evasion and or disavow the evasion and then go rogue and then uh depending on what you so if, if you like hit it and you don't really do anything like you don't damage anybody you don't steal anybody's stuff or anything like that you can re you know swear your allegiance to the division or whatever whatever yeah, it is that reinstate they call it yourself. Yeah, reinstate yeah. yourself um but if you do end up going rogue and you attack another player or steal their stuff, cut the rope, whatever, um, then you know you have to, you have a timer that counts down. I think there are um, not safe houses; they're called thieves dens for rogues, where you can go and it'll make your counter go down faster. So the more bad stuff you do, basically, like the more time gets on your counter. And then once you get beyond a certain point, you turn into uh, a manhunt status where your position is constantly marked on the map and people can kind of chase you around for some rewards as well as, you know, to collect your drops. And when you're in the manhunt status, I think there's like checkpoints that you have to go through. And if you get through however many of them, then you can uh, lose your manhunt status and kind of like escape. So a little more incentive to do rogue stuff aside from just like trolling people. There's actually like Mm -hmm. a mechanic around, like you have to do, x y and z in order to get out of it and uh gives i guess it gives you good bonus and and some decent loot from doing that so there's a lot of risk reward that's kind of like the central theme of the dark zone is risk reward like how how much attention do you want to draw to yourself and is it worth it to draw the attention to yourself whether it's you know smacking other players around or you know calling in the helicopter um they kind of double down on that with the landmarks so previously uh, once you discovered landmarks at any time in the dark zone they would stay on your map and then you could just go back to them but what would often happen is um people would basically develop like routes where they could go through whatever like the best landmarks are that had like the easiest mobs to clear out with the best rewards 
and they would just run that circuit over and over again. And you would go to those spots and, you know, if your timing's not on, somebody has already gotten there and you basically just wasted all this time trekking across the dark zone to get stuff that's no longer there. Yep. Um, so now with the landmarks, as they respawn enemies and respawn their loot, they pop up on the map. So you only see landmarks that are basically fair game. Um, when you go to them and you start clearing them out, you, the icon will flash. So you know if somebody's already there, so you can either say, okay, well, I'm not going to make it, so I'm going to go and change my route to this one, or you can go and help them, or you know, kind of sit in the shadows and wait for them to get weak and then kind of poach them off and take their stuff and then clear it out yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so a little more on that risk-reward because you have to keep in mind, like, everyone's going to know that I'm clearing out this landmark because not only does it flash on the map, it also pops up a little message down the bottom. So it's nice that it keeps you from running around extra, but, you know, it's also the uh, unknown factor of how are the other players in the server going to react. So you kind of have to plan your movements. So if you got a extraction going on up north and there's a bunch of landmarks down and the south diagonal from it, you can pretty much say, okay, you know, I think most people are going to go to the helicopter. I'm going to hedge my bets and just clear out a bunch of landmarks and yep. uh, just wait for a more opportune moment to call in my own helicopter. So um, lots of like planning and that kind of stuff. Like I said, risk reward is very uh, evident here. Um, as far as like the dark zone goes in this game, I really like that it has the open areas and it's not all just like the tall skyscrapers and stuff. It's a good mix. Um, in general, the uh, the open areas are like overgrown, like trees and vines and stuff like that. And it makes me really interested to see what they're going to do with like the national mall area, where like the um, you know all the between the the Smithsonian and all the museums and all that stuff and the Washington Monument, because like in real life, it's just like literally just a big grass field with some trees and stuff, and people you know throw frisbees and walk their dogs there. Yep. So it's pretty boring, like as far as like from like a gameplay perspective, if it was like 100% dead on, like it's just flat ground. Um, so I'm really interested to see what that looks like in the division because I know when they did it in Fallout 3 it was all like dug up like trenches and stuff so I'm wondering mm -hmm. like what is it going to look like in the in the division in their version of this like post-apocalyptic setting but overall um, enjoy the dark zone the normalization in here feels similar if not identical to how it did in PvE or PvP you know they want you to stick in the cover um, you know use your skills um, you're definitely an advantage if you're working with a team, but I think that's kind of just, you know, yeah, should be evident if you've ever played the Division 1 and, and done anything in the Dark Zone. Yeah, my favorite stuff in Division 1 was always teaming up with randoms that you'd come across with in the Dark Zone where you'd always try to be like, I'm, I'm not going to hurt you, I'm not yep. going to shoot you, <laughs> don't worry about it. Getting to that point, no, I know it's a little bit... Right. And that was back when, I mean, Dark Zone was you could just you could literally shoot anybody you wanted, go rogue. It didn't even matter. It was risk reward of just going in there mm -hmm. and not knowing if your own teammate was just going to turn on you with the helicopter and then just log off. Yep. I mean, they can um, still do that, but it's uh, it's a little bit more of like a process, though. They, yes. they have to like announce their instead of just doing it. And then as soon like, as you like, don't immediately go into like a damage phase, like you have to disavow and then attack it's just that one extra step that keeps you from getting just completely right. blindsided i guess right which is enough time to kind of run to cover i guess and pray have a nice little <laughs> at little that battle. point yeah 
Um, I'll, also, I'll be interested to see what the uh, the conflict Dark Zones end up being, because there's always one of the three that's in conflict that operates more like the Dark Zone did in the first division, where I guess it's like the Iron Banner to Destiny. Um, your gear score and your items make a big difference. So if you go in with all yellow stuff, like you're going to be able to, to roll through um, lower level or less geared players pretty easily. And that's only one of the three so you always at least have two options of, of the normalized ones and the people that are more into that more hardcore aspect they can go to the rotating um conflict or invaded i think it is the actual term um mm-hmm. different dark zone so yeah i'm Definitely excited looking forward to it yeah i'm really excited to get into it i <laughs> this will be the most talked about game other than the resident evil series once it finally comes out and we can actually get into talking <laughs> about the game itself because yeah. We've done nothing but gush about it since we've been playing these betas. And even though we got the exact same content this time around, still felt it was different fun, enough. Still felt fresh. Still felt fun. Still felt fresh. I cannot wait to sink my teeth into this. Yes, for sure. And based on what you've been telling me the past couple hours here about uh, Season of the Drifter, it sounds like we could be playing and talking a great deal about two looter shooters yeah i hope so um so i mentioned before those of you new listening i'm very big into destiny um so i thought it was a worthwhile discussion to get into this content um tuesdays are always their reset days so today was the launch of the new season which is the season of the drifter not to be confused with the WWE wrestler, Elias <laughs> Sampson, uh, who went by the Drifter in NXT. Uh, but the guy that just showed up in the tower one day and just started talking like Matthew McConaughey and right, somehow had right. control of the somehow have control of the Taken. Um, what you're seeing over here on the left is my actual gameplay capture footage, so I apologize that I blow at PvP, PvE, PvPPP well, games. At least you remembered to record your own content. <laughs> Unlike somebody. Well, yeah, well, eh, it all it's all good. Um, yeah, so I played for a few hours today. Um, so these will just be initial impressions. The way that Bungie has been handling these seasons is they've been... Um, Time-gating is the negative way to say it, but they've been <laughs> releasing the content over time as to not burn out the players and have everybody get everything within the first week and then complain about having nothing to do. do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so just impressions, uh, initially, but they already have a roadmap that's out that is telling us of all these significant bumps that are going to be coming in the road. Uh, and it looks like they have stuff coming out at least once or twice a week throughout the entire season, which is supposed to last, I think like two, three months, mm-hmm. um, more iron banners coming. Um, there's a new event coming. Um, there's, uh, all this new stuff coming and with the new season of course comes new exotic items comes new uh, ornaments new eververse stuff all over the place if you're into that um, power level has been raised from 650 to 700 um, and what I love that they did with this content and I think is there's no reason they shouldn't do this moving forward for everything is the worst thing for somebody like Brandon yourself who hasn't jumped into destiny in Probably months, six months, maybe. That's uh, been about. Probably I played uh, Forsaken probably for about a month after it came out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's probably. So a that's month. probably. Uh, I guess I played it through like November. I guess. Okay. 
it's not too far gone, but I'm still probably it's like five or six months at least. Yeah, you're still, but you're pretty far behind in terms of power levels, and you wouldn't. Be I was able to do- I was behind the eight ball going into mm-hmm. Forsaken, right? Well, what they did this time around is that they gave specifically the Drifter bounties that Guardians can do, who are very low level, and they're very easy bounties. They're like doing some public events, killing these specific types of enemies, using this specific weapon and this specific activity, just like any other bounties in Destiny. And they will give you a guaranteed, uh, each bounty will give you a guaranteed weapon and a guaranteed armor piece that drops at 640 light level, which will be enough to get you started in the new content and playing right away with your friends. Yeah, I like that idea so much more than like whenever they would release the expansions in the first one, they would give you that like... I don't know what the hell they called it, like the the beacon of light or something that would automatically yes. get you to where you needed to be to play like the new content. Like I never used them because I yeah. mean, in Destiny One, um, the rate at which things came out and the how fast you leveled up. Like I never was at a point where any of my three characters weren't at the proper level to do any activities. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also had a ton more time and less responsibility then. Um, even still, like, I don't know that I would have used it because, like, it just feels so cheap. Like, it's, it is. it's not and, rewarding. More, like, it's they're, those are more for what, uh, yeah. What you're referring to is I don't remember what they called it. So, the like aura of light or something. Yeah, something like that. Saying, That's ba- it was basically just to get you into the new content if you were under level. Yeah, it was for people who had either just bought the game at Forsaken and they didn't have characters and didn't want to play through all the Destiny Two right. Red War content. They could get right into Forsaken, play with their friends, which is great. But with these little seasons that come along and increase the power level by 50, which is a significant power gap. There's a very significant power gap. And with numerically not much as far as how the drops go, like it's 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 a big enough deal. Yeah. And it's the the rate at the drops that you get for powerful gear and increasing your light levels and stuff is it takes a while. People don't typically reach the cap right away like they used to they really changed the way that that all works in forsaken and it's still relevant here in the second season of forsaken so um i love that they did this i think it's great now i can i immediately turn to you and i said brandon you can hop in here for an hour do these four bounties and be ready to go right yeah like it gets you to a point where like you are prepared to do some of this new stuff it doesn't feel like it's a cop-out because you actually have to do something to earn it, mm-hmm. but it still gives you that headroom that you're going to want to keep playing to get all of the good stuff. Like, it doesn't just automatically put you, like, where you need to be, like, endgame status. It gets you close right. enough that you don't feel like, oh, I'm such a burden, which is usually my issue with coming back to Destiny is I just always right. feel like I'm the I'm the heavyweight that needs to be carried. <laughs> right. Uh, and nobody wants to be a heavyweight. Everybody wants to be the lightweight superhero. Um, so I thought that was great. And what I also thought was great is uh, the season before this, which was the season of the Forge, which was all the Black Armory content. You do not have to have that any of that completed or even touched or looked at in order to do this new stuff, Perfect. which is cool. Perfect for me. So you could hop into these bounties and be ready to go. And I think that's fantastic. Should have been like that from jump street. And I am excited for other people who have not gotten into destiny for a while because the fear of, well, let's just call it FOMO, um, is no longer relevant. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Whatever, Uh, whatever weapon you're using in your, in your video here, it looks super cool. 
That is the breakneck auto rifle. That was the pinnacle weapon for Gambit in Forsaken. Um, and it is an auto rifle that has uh, its perk is that um, it uses Rampage, which does more damage as you kill things. But it also has uh, Enhanced Rampage, which is the more kills I get, the faster the gun fires. So it's an auto rifle that every kill I get, the rate, the RPM increases. It looks and, super cool. It looks like uh, like old school, like the Kvostok did. Yeah, and that's kind of the theme with all of the Gambit-based stuff is that it looks like old salvaged stuff from pre-war era. I thoroughly enjoy that aesthetic yes and i think you will enjoy the new stuff that comes with this so with the new season comes a bunch of changes to gambit gambit was a mode that they launched um with forsaken Mm -hmm. this guy showed up to the tower his name was the drifter and he's like hey i got this game mode for you to do it's called gambit and nobody's really cool with this that's why i'm hiding out over here and people knew about it. They kept tabs on them, uh, and they did all this stuff. There's a bunch of lore that goes into it. If you're interested in it, highly recommend you look into the grimoire, uh, read about it. There's a very good YouTuber. His name is My Name is Bife. That is, quote, My Name is Bife. And he does these incredible videos into the lore of Destiny where he uses voice acting and pictures and art and full motion video. He is awesome. So if you're at all interested in that, again, that's My Name is Bife. Um. So with this new season, they changed Gambit. Gambit, at the end of last season, was kind of regarded as a very long, arduous activity. It was a three-round game. It was a PvEVP game where you and three other Guardians, so 4v4, are taking out waves of enemies, collecting these uh, items that they drop called moats. Mm-hmm. You're then taking these moats and putting them in a central bank. That bank needs to be filled with 75 moats in order to summon a, an end boss called a primeval. It's killing the primeval wins you that round. It is the best of three rounds, so you need to win two to win. There's a bunch of caveats in there, too. There's high-value targets that drop more moats. There's higher-level enemies that also drop more moats. There are... Um, blockers that you can send you can also uh gain enough moats in your bank in order to be able to invade the other team killing other teammates who are holding moats they drop moats um you they do not get those back so there's a little bit of pvp in there where you can defend your bank you can attack the other team you can kind of cripple them and there the problem with gambit was there was a big meta that came in with you kind of had to use these weapons uh they were the weapons to use the games were way too long. The rounds were like 15 minutes each. So one game of Gambit could go as far as 45 minutes to finish. Uh, and you had to play one a day to get a drop or three within the week to be able to get the powerful drops for the your, your powerful milestones. Um, and people got really burned out on the activity especially because they tied some exotic stuff behind it. They tied exotic quests behind it. They tied these pinnacle weapons like the breakneck rifle that we were talking about behind it. Um, I myself got really burned out on it when I went after that breakneck weapon because not only did you have to kill X amount of enemies with auto rifles, do X amount of precision damage and all that stuff, but you had to play 40 games of Gambit. 
Those are hours. That's a lot. Yeah, Gambit is not fast whatsoever. No. And if you make it competitive and you're playing with a squad of people, which to this day, people still do not understand how to play Gambit. And it's very frustrating. Which blows my mind because uh, uh, you have to have like never been to any kind of like Destiny online community because no matter where you look, there's always that meme of like bank your effing moats like yes. everywhere. Like it's, it's yes. so obvious, but nobody does it for whatever reason. Yes. And what I always say is, uh, you can, the guy who banks five moats is way more useful than the guy who banks 15 moats. Yes. Every single dro- he day. He doesn't run the week. risk of, of dropping them. Right. Doesn't run the risk of dropping them. He is doing just enough. And I'd rather have somebody bank, five rounds of five moats five times than do one to two or three rounds of 15 moats. It doesn't make a difference. It's all about speed, precision, being fast, being efficient, and not leaving yourself vulnerable for the other team to invade right. and take need, away your moats. You need to get that primeval up ASAP, and you don't want to be you know, the guy with a ton of moats because then you're just a target. Right. So and Once they're gone, they're gone. <laughs> right. So with all that said, Gambit was still a cool mode. It was something new. Destiny hadn't had anything like that before. And they really wanted to focus a whole season on this, the Drifter, its lore. What is it? There's a lot of mystery behind it. So, But we can't have people playing an activity that they're very lukewarm on right now and that people are burning out on. So what they've changed is to traditional Gambit, they have added new blockers. So before it used to be uh, at five moats in your bank, you would send a a phalanx to another team, which were the guys with shields that blow you away. Mm -hmm. Ten moats would send a knight to the other team, which are all yellow bar taken enemies. So they're harder to burn that the knight would shoot fire on the ground and burn enemies where they stood. Um, And then the ogre was the big tier 15 maximum moat banking blocker that would be sent to the other team. And the ogre would, you know, not only have um, uh, like melee stomping attacks that blew guardians away, but your team. What's that? You were leading your team on that. I had a pretty good, I had a pretty good game. Um, Even though we lost one of our guys in the, in the brands referencing the video (laughs) gameplay of the gambit prime I played. The ogre uh, will also shoot people, and the shots from the ogre uh, will blow you back 500 yards. Uh, it's ridiculous. So they changed the blockers. So now the low tier is a goblin, the mid tier is a captain with a shield, and the uh, high tier is a knight. So now the blockers are able to be burned a little bit quicker. Games move a little bit faster. They're still just as effective as blockers. They are powerful, but they will burn quicker. Um, the third round of a Gambit game, if you go to round three, it is now a sudden death round. So instead of doing all the killing enemies, grabbing moats, doing this, the prime evil spawns right away. Everybody gets their supers right away. Everybody gets their class abilities filled right away. And it is a who can kill the prime evil first. That's pretty cool. It's very cool and great, but people weren't using their supers and Andrew got very frustrated. (laughs) Um, Overall, the games feel like they go much quicker. It's still Gambit. It doesn't feel drastically different. There's still a lot of bounties and stuff that are associated with it, so you still do it, and it's still there's still specific power drops for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nice that they're thinking about it, and it doesn't feel like so such a long, arduous 
thing that I need to almost dedicate my nightly play session to just to get that done. Right. You don't feel like you have another job. Right. It's not like, oh, I ha- I'm playing. I want to play Destiny tonight, but I have to do all my Gambit stuff, and that's going to be my whole night. Right. Still leaves um, some time to do some other activities within the game. <laughs> so. Are you laughing at the chat? Yeah. So, <laughs> so the, they've introduced two new game modes with the season. And I had the uh, opportunity to play both of them this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Number one being Gambit Prime. Gambit Prime is Gambit on steroids. It is Gambit for experts. Um, it is a single round of Gambit. Still PvEVP. There's still waves of enemies. You still kill the enemies to get moats. You still deposit the moats in a bank. Instead of depositing, I think the number is 70 or 75 moats in the original game of Gambit to summon a, your prime evil, your end boss. Mm-hmm. You now have to uh, submit 99. So it's one round of 99 moats. Sending a blocker or a certain type of blocker, I haven't really clued into what yet, but sending a certain blocker uh, will slowly drain the moats from your bank. So if an opposing team sends a blocker to you having deposited enough moats in their bank and you have a blocker on your side, the moats in your bank will slowly deplete until you take out the blockers. Hmm. Um, That's interesting. Invading works the same way. If you hit a, there's three tiers where a portal will open to the other side. You hit those three tiers. You can uh which is 33 66 and 99 you can um invade the other team kill the other teammates who are holding moats you can still only hold 15 you can still deposit the tiers of 5 10 15 it hasn't really changed that much um but there's this big emphasis on classes within gambit prime so the armor that you get in the new season is specific to each class, but each class now has a it, its own separate Gambit, Gambit Prime class. Mm-hmm. They are the Invader, the Collector, the Reaper, and the Sentry. The Invader is focused on the Guardian who goes to the other side of the team and invades and kills Guardians. And that's their thing to do. The Collector is the person who gathers the most moats, puts the most in the bank, sends the blockers out to the other team. The Reaper is the person who's focused on killing those waves of enemies that spawn on your side and getting dropping moats so that the Collector can pick them up. Mm-hmm. Sentry is the individual who protects your bank from blockers and also is your last line of defense for invaders. Now, you don't put yourself in those... You don't get put into those roles. It's not like you have to be the Collector and you have to pick up all the moats in Gambit Prime. But if you get an armor set that has a Collector bonus to it, you can now have an armor set bonus that for collectors specifically, Brian, I think I sent you a picture of it, but just off the top of my head, at one tier of armor set bonuses, if a collector, let's say the person who gathers moats, gets killed by an invader and loses moats, they no longer lose all their moats. They only lose a portion of the moats. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, the more... Which is huge. And I don't know what a lot of the other set bonuses are but there's there's like five tiers of them so there's like a there's like a plus five a plus 10 a plus 15 and a plus 20 tier set mm-hmm. how you get these armors is <clears throat> actually let me backtrack here for a second because i forgot to mention with the, about the primeval and gambit prime because i'm an idiot and re or organize my notes <laughs> um 
the Prime Evil has new mechanics now in Gambit Prime. So once you hit 99 motes in the bank and you summon the Prime Evil, um, two envoys, um, the Prime Evil will spawn and he'll have uh, an impenetrable shield on. To take his shield down, two envoys will spawn randomly somewhere on the map. You have to kill those two envoys. That will spawn a third envoy closer to the Prime Evil. When you kill that envoy, that envoy drops an aura buff that gives you the primeval slayer buff from the normal gambit mode that allows you to do damage to the boss for a certain amount of time. I think it's like 15 or 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you just kind of rinse and repeat that. So once that timer runs out, you kill the envoys again, you kill the third envoy, you get the drop. And now it, it stacks up multiplayer or multiplayer multiplier. So, Every time you kill that third envoy, you get another stack. So you get times one, times two, times three, times four. So the games will go quicker. So the more you're killing the envoys, the higher damage you're going to do to the primeval boss. So it's kind of like in the uh, in the Leviathan raid when you would try to get the stacks for the uh, the dogs and the gardens. Similar, yeah. Interesting. It's identical to the same buff that you get in Gambit, where the longer the match goes, mm-hmm. the higher stacks you get for Primeval Slayer, which allows you to do more damage to the boss. The only difference is you have to physically pick up the buff, and it goes away after having it for 15, 20 seconds, whatever right. it is. So once you kill the next Envoy, the next time you pick it up, you'll get times two. The next time you pick it up, you get times three. It doesn't stay there, but it remembers, okay, they had time two before, and now they'll get times three when they pick right. Um, interesting. Which it's interesting. So now it's no longer just burn the boss in three seconds with a bunch of supers and be done with it, and the game's over. You actually have to think about it, coordinate it. There's a little bit of a raid light mechanic there mm-hmm. to do it, um, and I appreciate that. Um, so going back to the armor set bonuses. So you might be asking, Andrew, how do I get all this armor that you're talking about? Andrew, how do I get all this armor that you're talking about? Well, Brandon, you don't get it from playing Gambit Prime because wow. uh, Gambit Prime drops these new items called synths. You can get them from bounties or you can get them from uh, just doing specific class stuff, collecting moats. You might get collector synth. If you kill another guardian, you might get an invader synth. But there's also bounties for those specific tasks and they drop synths for that specific class. What you do is you can use those synths in Gambit to add armor set bonuses to your armor for the game and add a plus three or a plus five or whatever to your armor set for just that game so that if you are wearing a collector set you can take a collector synth and do uh, and get maybe that next tier of armor set bonus that you didn't have before Hmm. so that's kind of cool yeah for sure you can do what i did and you can take those synths into the new pve mode which is called the reckoning the reckoning the reckoning so lore wise the reckoning takes place in the back of drifter's ship which we have seen before but never actually been in your it's the, the starting ball. area it's, it's very small up. it's the starting area of gambit where you're looking at each other across the way and you're mm-hmm. kind of just waiting to be deployed into your level <clears throat> now you actually can go up on that podium where the drifter normally stands and coordinates and tells everybody what to do and that your team sucks and your team's great <laughs> You actually go into the giant ice ball thing that's attached to the back of his ship. 
that ice ball is a portal to the nine. The nine is where the trials of the nine were taking place earlier in destiny two mm-hmm. and are, is, uh, the home of a little known character in destiny lore named Zer, who gives you all your exotic stuff once a week. <clears throat> Take a drink here. <laughs> Refresh. Reinvigorate <laughs> yourself. <clears throat> Don't check. All right. <clears throat> Put your hands so, up in the air. That's what I tell my kid. <clears throat> oh, perfect. See? Cleared, oh, it uh, Cleared it out. So, the reckoning takes place in the back of the ship. The nine serves from there. It's really cool. It's very aesthetically pleasing. The music's really cool. The area looks very nice. Um, what you do is you take the synths that you get from Gambit. So you have the collector, invader, reaper, and sentry synths. You, the drifter gives you one of those moat bank, uh, you know, the things that you deposit the moats into the little like yeah. gold triangle things that you, mm-hmm. that are attached to the bank. It's like, it's well, like he, the containment unit in Ghostbusters. Vi- exactly. Well, he physically gives you one mm-hmm. and he says, use this to put, turn your synths into moats. So what you do is you put your synths in this. It's a thing that you carry in your inventory. The synths now turn into moats. So if I turn, if I take a collector synth and put it into through this, uh, this, I don't remember what it's called, but you put it into this thing and it creates, sure, it creates, (laughs) it creates a collector moat. Now, what I do is when I go to the reckoning, there is a moat bank at the top of like a stoop. I can submit my or they're calling wager my moat Mm -hmm. into a round of the reckoning. If I complete the round of the reckoning, I get a piece of the armor based on the synth that I put in. So if I put in a collector synth, I get a collector moat, I wager that moat, we kill or we finish the tier of the reckoning that we need to do. Mm -hmm. I will get a guaranteed piece of armor of that class. That's pretty cool. So, you can do that over and over and over again. If I have four synths, I can make four moats, but I can only wager one moat per game. So I'd have to play four games to get the chance of four armor sets. If I die or my team dies or we don't finish the tier of the reckoning that we need to do, uh, I lose that moat forever. I have to go back to Gambit Prime, get another one, bring it mm-hmm. back, make a moat, do that whole thing again. So now you're kind of seeing what the gameplay loop is. Right. I play Gambit Prime, I get these things, I take them into the Reckoning, I get the things from it, I am now more powerful in Gambit Prime, rinse and repeat between these two things. So you might be asking yourself, what is the Reckoning, Andrew? Andrew, what is the Reckoning? Great question, Brandon. Glad you asked it. So the Reckoning is very similar to what the Blindwell is, it's very similar to what Court of Oryx was, very similar to Escalation Protocol, where... It is waves and waves of enemies, and then it eventually has a boss. You kill the boss, and that's it. There's different tiers of difficulty. From what I understand, we only have access to one tier of difficulty, which is tier one for now. There is a tier two. There is a tier three, but they are being released over time. I don't know why. There's probably some reason behind it. Go figure. (laughs) Specifically, what you're doing is you're fighting Taken in an area uh, uh, where the nine are. So you're, you're... fighting the taken and you have to prove yourself worthy to the nine which means kill enough enemies to fill a bar that turns into a hundred percent once you hit a hundred percent you have five minutes to do so once you hit a hundred percent a boss spawns and you have to kill the boss there are active buffs 
that are happening in the specific mode. This week, I think they change weekly. This week, there's buffs like Prism, which will say what elements uh, are doing the most damage at any given time. So it'll change between Solar, Arc, and Void over the course of every minute or whatever it is, every three seconds. Um, power weapons are doing more damage this week, and I think there's like a Void Singe. So if you have like a powerful a power weapon that does void damage during the void phase of prism, you are pretty much indestructible, right? You're crushing it, crushing it. So those will probably change weekly like they do with nightfalls and raids and, you know, and any other end game activity, but that's pretty much it. That's all it is. Um, It's fun. I, I like that you can hop into it. It'll immediately match make you with three other people. I don't have, bring three other people with me. It is a four-person activity, which is also cool because it's normally three-people activities. Um, and I think there's some gameplay of it. I, I don't know if I'm getting into a prime thing here, but <clears throat> um, yeah, it's, it, it's nice that you can you can uh, get into this. It match makes you immediately and those people stay with you. So once you finish a round or you complete it, whether you lose or succeed, you can make another moat, you can put it back into the bank and wager it, and then that will that will trigger another round of the reckoning. I don't know if you can change the tier yet, since there's only one available, but mm-hmm. you can just kind of rinse and repeat that. So I was able to do that, and I got uh, most of my collector armor. I'm going for collector armor first on my hunter. Um, I feel like that's the thing I would be best at. Uh, just picking up moats and put them in the bank. It's kind of pick things up, put them over here. You're good as long as you don't lose them. The thing that you have to do in order to play. Yeah, because the thing I basically focused on what thing pisses me off the most, and that's when I die and lose moats. So if I could <laughs> hold on to more, I would feel better about myself. Sure. Um, and that's kind of it. So thoughts on all of this. Um, it seems pretty sparse right now. There's not much going on here. There's a new game mode. It's cool. It's like accelerated Superman Gambit. Um, Would you say that game- it kind of feels like a band-aid <clears throat> for the previous problems with Gambit? Or do you think it feels like a, a proper fix to those problems? This feels like Gambit Prime to me feels like what Gambit should have been all along. I think Gambit was too long. It mm-hmm. still feels too long because I still have to play multiple rounds of something, which is always kind of a pain in the butt. I, Destiny is very good at being able to just hop in, do something, hop out. Right. I have to hop in, play around, wait, play around, wait, possibly play another round. I'm like looking at my watch like I am I could be doing this. I could be doing that thing. I could be grinding for that. Right. I could be doing that. Yeah. Now, I kind of feel like the only thing that I w- would want to like need to sink a ton of time into as far as like an activity in these type of games would go would be like like raids and stuff like that. Yes. Now like with pretty this, much every, like everything else, like strikes, like you can jump in and play a couple of strikes. I mean, they're longer, but there's so many different things going on. Like it doesn't get stale, but I know just in, you know, the month or so that I had played through forsaken, whenever I would play gambit, like there's definitely like a fatigue that you get from just playing the sure. same thing over because it takes so long. And if you get stuck with a crappy team, even mm-hmm. if the other team's crushing you, like it still takes a while for them to get to the point where they beat you and then, you know, end the game. Yeah. So you can move on to a new match made. Yeah. And to that point, um, I like Gambit. I don't love Gambit. Um, it's definitely better when you're playing with squad mates that you mm-hmm. can talk to. 
or people that you can hang out with because it's just a good way to, um, you know, BS back and forth with each yeah, other. I think that's a good a, a good quality of Destiny in general. It's a good game to like be social with. So, em- Emily in the chat is saying that she cannot hear your audio. Emily, are you able to hear Brandon? Well, oh, there we go. Were you muted? I was muted. Yeah, that's no big deal. Thanks, Emily. Um, good thing you didn't say anything of importance or significance except that password that we <laughs> needed to know about. But I guess they never yeah, will. Um, yeah, but it, I again, I like Gambit. I don't love Gambit. Um, it's okay. Prime feels like what it should have been all along. The games feel quicker. They can still go long though. There was a game where. We had our both both teams had their primeval summoned, and we may have gone back and forth for fifteen minutes, just trying to, you know, somebody would invade and heal the primeval. Somebody would, uh, you know, do, then we would do the same to them, and we just couldn't finish the freaking game, and it mm. was frustrating. But that's Gambit, <laughs> and that's that's okay. I go into it knowing that. My fear is the reckoning is going to be what it what it is. Um, I feel like I've already mastered tier one. Maybe I shouldn't feel challenged by it, but I'm hoping that the other tiers coming down the line kind of push that long and challenge me and make me think about things. Um, it feels like something I might be able to solo by myself. And that's not, that's not saying a lot at all. Um, I don't hold myself in high regard with destiny Two at at all. Um, (laughs) so with this, uh, expansion as well, there's no new raids or, strikes there's no new story missions i put that in quote per se i know that there's going to be quests that they're releasing new exotic quests they will probably have some steps to those quests that are story-like missions they had that for the last word quest um this one that they're touting about is going to be the new thorn quest which thorn was an old hand cannon from destiny one that was a pinnacle pvp exotic hand cannon that would shoot like thorn like rose thorn needles at people mm-hmm. and they would poison them and kill them over time it was very it was frustrating a, a to very be shot by it. meta driven drop it's one of the ones you wanted to get like very thorn, much so. galahorn yeah they're both up there it, absolutely um i never got thorn could never i didn't either it was very difficult sure. because that quest step was like winning out it was one of those we we uh you want to accumulate enough wins but also losing decreases your progress yeah wins give you like three steps forward and losses would give you like two steps back yes something along those lines and it was just like you'd be having like a stellar night one day and just like crushing it knocking it out of the park and you're like yeah like that bar is filling up and then you come in the next day and you're just like nope not Mm -hmm. having a good night and you just and those are all the progress that you just had yeah, and those quests are still around. There's still some exotic quests like that. Like uh, the last word quest was similar to that, but it was doable. The last word, the last word quest was the same way, but it was like five steps forward, one step back. Yeah, which which yeah. is very doable. Um, uh, some other thoughts. Um, I, I hope that when they do roll out these updates, that they do start kind of adding more content. Right now, it's just the beginning. I, I think the time gating stuff is. I get why they're doing it, but it it tells me that maybe you're not fully confident in the content that you're launching, so you kind of just want to divvy it out to us over time so we don't burn ourselves out. So I see yeah. both sides of the coin. I appreciate it, but at the same time, I have an addiction, and I just want to get after it, and I just want to do all of 
So I can't just break it up over time. So right. if you can do it for me, just don't tell me about it. Just do it. <laughs> That's all I'm asking. Yeah. Um, yeah, time getting stuff is also frustrating just because like it, you know, more often than not, it's because they're like artificially elongating how stuff, how long stuff is going to take you to do. And right. Um, and they, like, they did that. They, with the last season, they were like, last word, you're going to, there's going to be a quest for word, a great hand cannon. It's going to be awesome. Everybody's going to do. And they held off on it until like the last four weeks of the season. So it was that just sucks. like, okay, now I have it and I guess I'll take it into the stuff, but it's, it's more of like a PVP weapon. It's not really a PVE weapon. Arguments about that, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. I feel like it's really tough with these type of games because you can never fully understand or appreciate the amount of people that will just burn through everything. No yeah. matter how much content you put together for one of these updates, like there's yep. always going to be a small slice of the community, and they're usually super vocal, that will just scream through it all get to the mm. end point within like you know a week or something and then Bungie's over there like how did you do all this right and they're the ones right. that are always like oh there's nothing to do right we uh we aptly refer to those people as no lifers yes and then there's people like me who are like I have who are too much lifers. to do I have too much <laughs> to do in this um, game and in my actual everyday occurrences <laughs> yeah um, I, I don't know. I, I like Gambit Prime and the Reckoning. They're kind of fun. They're new challenges. So maybe I'm just, if I'm wearing my new goggles, I'm uh, seeing everything in a new shade of uh, a new tint, uh, uh, a new color. Um, but I don't know how long that's going to last. Um, I, it, it's very easy to get burned out on content in Destiny because Bungie typically makes you rinse and repeat a lot and they rarely, if ever, change the, uh, the content of the rinsing and repeating. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that this kind of lasts and I'm hoping that with the way that they're releasing the content over weeks that it, it helps and it breaks it up. But I mean, right now, if I really have to, if I'm, if I'm being honest with myself, I'm probably not going to play through three different characters to get four different sets of armor for each one. That is absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, not only that, there's no visual destiny fashion to any of the armor sets. They are very basic. Um, they look okay, but it's the same armor set for everything. So for the hunter, all the collector, invader, sentry, reaper stuff, all is exactly the same. The only difference is that they have a snake design on them and they are color coded to the class that you would be playing. So collector is white, reaper is green, sentry is yellow and invader is red. So that people can, from the other team can look at you and your own team can look at you and say that person is specked out for invading. I'm going to let them invade, which is nice, but it's nice visual aesthetically, not that pleasing. Yeah. I feel like in general, I don't know if this has changed since I have last played, but I feel like the, the armor designs in destiny Two, just like as a whole have been like, not nearly as cool or interesting as they were in destiny one. Not at all. I totally agree with you. You are not wrong. Uh, a lot of the new stuff that they bring out as well is, um, the same models from earlier D two stuff, just repainted or recoded or little frilly things are added here and there, but you're looking at it and going, that's just that set. And bring back the, 
the cool blue stuff from Destiny 1 and, and make it purple. Not only that, just bring up everything else from the year one of content from Destiny 2. Yeah. All that stuff is locked out behind the Forsaken wall, which says, well, now everything rolls with these specialized perks and these new things on weapons that you can't get on other things from the past because they were all set yeah. rolls. Now I'm, there's I'm random. I'm surprised that they haven't done that because it, I, memory I, serves I me, that's what they did in Taken King whenever they changed how some things worked or they, they kind of brought back some of those sets that like you were getting like in vanilla Destiny 1. They brought yeah. them back in with you know higher light level and everything, so that you could rock that old school stuff again. But like, yeah, uh, and and I also I, I really appreciate and I enjoy the nostalgia of hey, we're bringing back back this exotic from D one. I bet you're all excited about Last Word and Thorn and all these cool hand cannons coming out and stuff. But just give me something new. Give me yeah. something I've never seen before. Give me something that I don't know is good or bad or has nostalgic value to it. I feel like it, it feels lazy. And if you're putting all this effort into bringing back these weapons that are uh, already already have lore and, and have in D1, why can't you do that with other armor sets and other weapons from those eras? And yeah. it just... I, I, again, it's it's going back to the very first thing we said when we were talking about Division 2, which is it seems like Ubisoft has an engine and a system where if something's wrong or something's there, or there's community feedback about whatever it is, positive or negative, they can immediately turn around and and um, and uh, uh, can be quickly addressed. It can be quickly addressed. They can reciprocate all that stuff and 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 take note of whatever needs to be taken care of. With Bungie, it feels like these things have been planned out so far in advance that when something doesn't work out the way they want it to or something's being put... They haven't done anything for PvP. And I'm not complaining. I'm not a PvP player primarily. But they haven't done anything for PvP in over a year at all. No new PvP modes... They still have like Iron Banner and stuff. They haven't even brought back any of the trial stuff. So yeah, now they're like, oh, we found an exploit in the map. So we're just going to take this out of the rotation. And then forever. It's later, never come back. Not back. And they and they they aptly said too, like, this is not coming back for the foreseeable future. If anything, you might hear about it around September, which is insane. Yeah. It also makes me wonder is like how much of that is Bungie and how much of that was you know, the suits at Activision. I don't know because it was, it's, I don't understand because when destiny two launched, a lot of the changes that were made to destiny were specifically because not only did they want to widen the player base and make a more easily accessible, accessible game to everybody, not just destiny one people who are in a niche audience, but they wanted to open it up to everybody. So they had set roles on everything. Mm -hmm. There was no, randomness if i had the a gun and you had the same one they were exactly the same and there was no and a lot of it was because they wanted to have a very competitive pvp um community they wanted to push in esport they wanted to push some type of comp competition and that totally backfired and now with all the random rolls and stuff and all the different armor perks that are random that are being rolled now you could have somebody that is just totally kitted out in pvp and with all the meta of how the weapons are progressing and how 
this hand cannon's better than that hand cannon and this pinnacle weapon that somebody can get who's really good at competitive and they bring it back into the non-competitive pvp where people are just kind of hopping in and out having fun are just going to get absolutely smoked because these guys have nothing else to do there's Mm -hmm. nothing in competitive for them to do and they're surprisingly there are people who just play destiny for the pvp they don't touch any of the pve content which is blows my mind yeah but those people are like they don't have anything to do other than prey on the hungry people that and the unsuspecting victims that come into regular pvp playlists and just get my lair dude they get annihilated there is a gun called luna's how it is a hand cannon that is a double tap weapon if you get shot with it twice you're dead there's no other gun hand cannon that's that's there's no other gun yeah and guess what the stability on the thing is through the roof and it fires at such a high rate and such a in such a high stability that it's basically bang bang you're dead that's it if somebody has that gun you are dead and with the aim assist on console it is even easier to get headshots and if it's it's impossible to counter those things unless you are way far back at a distance and not putting yourself out there. And I know that that's a very niche rant that I went on for Destiny PvP stuff <laughs> that a mode that I really don't even care that much about. But yeah, valid points, um, though. Valid points. It's um, yeah. I don't know. It, it, I'm I, I I like what's happening. I think they have good ideas here, but it seems like this is something that you could easily get burnt out on within a month. Also, hold on. I, I just want to point this out. <laughs> so in your video here, this is when you're getting your uh, the thing to turn your uh, synths and demotes. Oh, yeah. What's it called? It is indeed a synthesizer. Oh, good job, man. <laughs> Boom. Read nothing, watched nothing, called it out by name. You're welcome. I mean... Yeah, it's called a weak synthesizer. Yo, your synthesizer's weak. Weak. Synthesizer's weak. Ugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and that's really all I have to say about Destiny um, at this point. I'm sure I'll have some updates as more stuff rolls out, but yeah, I urge you, if you're interested and you feel like you're behind or you don't want to hop in, just go in and try it. You do the bounties. Do some of the stuff that you've missed out on. Um, all the raids are great. I'm still having a lot of fun with the game, but um, there's so much other stuff that's going to be fighting for my attention. Division two, division two, division two, division two. Oh, yes. It's going to be hard to just focus on something that's so gambit centric. Yeah. Well, if it's any consolation to you, uh, you know, we could carve out some time for uh, some some Destiny 2 perhaps this weekend or in the coming days and and you can experience it all again with someone with a fresh set of eyes. I would love to do that. <laughs> uh, Mayhaps we do that on Saturday. Mm, yes. Okay. Well, I think we're coming up on an hour and 45 minutes here, which is yeah. a little longer than we anticipated. I apologize. Yeah, not too much longer. Not too much longer, but... We get a lot of bang for your not dollar right because as always i want to thank every single one of you who have either made it this far whether you're a first time listener or you've been with us since the very first episode yep. we appreciate watching you. us or, or listening on itunes or maybe you're listening to the stream because you got unlimited data and you're like yeah don't you want to pay for it because you got bags <laughs> you got Sex. bags <laughs> Uh, Sacks again, of stacks. 
we appreciate you guys. Whether you have stacks or no stacks, bags or no bags. Yeah. Uh, you're always a member of our community. Uh, we want to keep pushing the envelope with uh, creating an atmosphere where it's kind of judgment free and you can yeah. share your opinions on stuff. Good, bad, ugly, great, grand, wonderful. Like what you like. Don't like what you don't like. Yeah. You've, you have no obligation to any either of us or anybody else. Like what you nope. like. Dislike what you dislike. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're not looking at me. You're not looking at Brandon when you look in the mirror. You're looking at yourself. Wow, that sounds like that's heavy, bro. That's that's really heavy. <laughs> yeah, unless you're unless you're tripping hard, then you're you might see us. Whoa. Uh, the question yeah. is, would it be our real versions, or would it be like the the cartoon avatars that we have for the show? Probably our bodies with the cartoon avatars on it, like when you do Whoa. the emoji like filter on your camera, live emoji. Yeah, that would freak me. Yeah. Out. If the show ever gets big enough where we get the opportunity to do like a live show, I would love to come out on stage with giant cartoon and emoji heads. Oh my god! Like mascot style heads yes. on. Yes, dude, that would be sick. <laughs> just like thunk, set it down on the on yeah. like a, a table between us. Oh, screw that! I'm like putting mine down and I'm like kicking it into the audience. <laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah. excellent. That would be excellent. Well, once again, just to reiterate what we talked about at the top show don't forget uh if you want to reach out to us uh we do want to hear listener reviews we really want to hear what you guys have to say yep um it could be audio visual written it could be a comment on facebook it could be an email to the gna podcast at gmail.com you can leave us a comment on facebook facebook.com slash games in it uh, i believe it's games in that. I, I, let me double check on that I feel yeah double check that <laughs> we should uh, you can also check us out on iTunes. You can subscribe there or wherever you Facebook.com slash games and at Facebook.com slash games and at we'll add games that to N-A-T. our AT our weekly plugs. Yes. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast goodness. Be sure to rate and review us. That helps us push our push our titles to the top. So when you do search games and at you don't get a bunch of stuff that's not games and yeah, at. Yeah, you do have to uh, I think currently you have to search for the full title games and at podcast. And I think yeah. I want to say we're like second on there right now, which is good because when we very first went up we were like probably the twelfth thing on there. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it I was don't know if they're, they're, it uh, was not easy to find. So if you can't find it, we don't blame you. Keep digging. Yeah. Get as specific there. as you need to. We are for um, sure on there. But yeah, send us your listener reviews. We'll feature those on the show um, as much as we can, uh, based on as, as many as we get. Um, if you're a musician out there or you have any interest in music or you just want to try something that you think you might be good at, we want some segue music. Why don't you reach out to us if you're interested? Uh, you, again, you can reach us on email or Facebook at all the other aforementioned places. Oh, we are now um, first when you search us. Dope. Right there. S-dope. S-dope. That's, that's and, if you search uh, with the full title. Yeah. And if you're watching us uh, or, and if you are listening to us on a podcast right now, if you do want to watch us, we do live stream this every Tuesday on mm-hmm. Facebook mm-hmm. around 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, if you follow us on Facebook, you'll get the little little notification saying that we're uh, about to go live. So Absolutely. When it's going down, as the kids say. Do they say that? No. I don't have any kids. Yet. Well. Well. <laughs> well. Of my own. 
<laughs> I could I could be like my my uh, student teaching uh, teacher. He's like, someone asked me if I was gonna ever have kids. I told them I already have two hundred. They're my students. Oh, eh. <laughs> um, you know, you know, we've made it when one of your students is like talking about the games in that podcast and you didn't even ask him to talk about I it. I will be simultaneously impressed and horrified. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good thing we keep it clean, folks. We keep it clean for a reason. Squeaky clean. But all of that aside, the most important thing that we want you to take away from this, Brandon, what is it? It's that the only opinion that matters is your own. And with that, have a great rest of the week. Enjoy yourselves, and we'll see you next Tuesday.